We've seen people deconstruct. Oh, yeah. Many people. Out of this church. It is very difficult for people to separate Mm -hmm. what is being done in Jesus' name from who he actually is. Welcome to the Elisa Childers Podcast. So excited to have you back this time for the continuation of a discussion that we had last time with T.C. Cannon, my good friend. We talked about her story of walking through spiritual abuse and how we processed that experience together as lovers of the church and as lovers of Jesus, just our thinking as that went, as we walked through that together. So if you haven't watched that episode, I strongly recommend you go back and listen to that first because it's going to give you some context uh, coming into today. Today's podcast, where we're going to talk about more practical elements of spiritual abuse. How is that manifesting itself in our churches? What can we do about it? We're going to talk about red flags to look for. We're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about what biblical leadership in a church should actually look like, because there are qualifications that sometimes we kind of sweep under the rug and we don't pay too much attention to. So we're going to talk about all that and more on today's podcast with my good friend T.C. Cannon. Yeah, and and one of the reasons that we wanted to sit down and have this conversation for the benefit of others was to to be able to do something that would be edifying and helpful and maybe help facilitate somebody out there recognizing, oh, wow, this like this explains what I've been going through, but I couldn't articulate what it was, mm-hmm. maybe to facilitate some healing. Mm-hmm. Um, because like we talked about in the beginning, we are pro-church. Right. We <laughs> want everybody to to be restored, right? Mm-hmm. This is not like this isn't just a bash your pastor session. Right. Right. We love this guy. We love the people who have been hurt by him. We know there's reasons he is, you know, hurt people, hurt people, mm-hmm. as, as we know. Um, but I wanna maybe give some practical observations that people can think about as they sort of go through their own church situations, because I think, especially listening to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, I gave some commentary on, I think overall it was very helpful for me to listen to because there were so many similarities Mm -hmm. uh, to the the experience that we walked through. Um, But I want to just maybe help people identify some things. And so I want to talk about what real biblical leadership is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about some red flags to look for, like the bully pulpit. Uh, I want to talk about other red flags that you might bring up for people to say, look, this is something to watch for, that you might have uh, an abusive situation in your church. Um, So the first one, let's talk about biblical leadership. I'm going to pull my computer out of my handy drawer right here because we pulled up the verses. Um, Why don't you just give an overview of that? And then I want to read three passages of scripture for people who may not be aware that the Bible is very specific about Mm -hmm. who is qualified to lead the church. Right. Um, which, you know, I think most of us have read through those verses and have them tucked away. I don't understand. One of the things I've looked back and reflected upon and, and see a lot of times in these these stories is that, when, and I, I include myself, I want to say that, that a lot of my healing journey has not only been um, studying and, and learning and getting information about what was I, what was done to me or what, what did I just walk through, but also what was in me? What have mm. I, what was my contribution to it? I mean, mm. I was there 23 years. Oh, I, yeah. You know, there was a long line of people that went before me. Yeah. Which was part of what my husband and I discovered after was, oh my gosh, 
oh, all those people that were there one day, gone tomorrow, you know, yeah. wonder if they had the same thing. And we actually did go back and talk to mm-hmm. as many people as we could remember, you know, or, you know, sometimes I went alone, we went together sometimes, and to ask for forgiveness, mm. because there was, you know, not that there was an intentional disregard, but we were part of a culture that left them for dead, so mm-hmm. to speak. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes my words are, you know, sound, yeah. but this is how you feel. You know, yeah. you feel that you've been discarded by the very community that you thought loved you. Yeah. And and then when no one comes looking for you, you just don't know how that feels till it happens. Mm-hmm. And then when you know how it feels, you want to go ask everybody you can for forgiveness. Mm. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't yeah. just come to find out. But um, back to the biblical leadership thing is that, I mean, I knew all along that there were requirements for biblical leaders because, I, you know, one thing I studied, and you can always feel free to help me if I'm off here, which I love about our friendship because <laughs> you're, you're so articulate and so well studied. I When we first met, I just remember just feeling like I was just running after you to say, I read this great book and I'd want to read it. And just anyway, I just love your friendship. I I just Mm. want to say that. Same. Um, But um, I knew that there were biblical qualifications for leadership, but for some reason what we end up doing is we we elevate talent or skill over character. We Mm -hmm. and why do we do this? I don't you know why dynamic preaching over you know we we begin to you know, we we disregard character as if it doesn't matter. We look at what is going on on a pulpit and we think about what's being said, which sometimes spiritually abusive situations, oftentimes what's being said is actually right or mm-hmm. close to right. right. Like Mark Driscoll, a lot of times would say things that, you know what, yeah. biblically, I could agree with you. Yeah. But we're, we're disregarding the behavior. Mm. We're, and But what I love about the biblical qualifications for leadership is it includes both. Yeah. It talks about sound doctrine and it talks about behavior. But we think, I don't know why we do this in the church. Why do we think that leaders deserve a longer rope? Mm-hmm. Like we should just justify all their sins. Mm-hmm. Because why? Because they have a their good you know rhetorical skills or mm-hmm. they've got a huge platform. Um, when, it's the cult of personality. It I is think, the cult that of personality. Culture is. I mean, that's not just in the church; it's everywhere. It's like yeah. you, you, you find the personality yeah. that is, you know, going to represent you. It, it promotes tribalism, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's um, it's definitely a problem. And it's not love when yeah. you think about it. Okay, to give your pastor or your leader all this rope to keep sinning and being even just being a jerk. Yeah, you know. Why I remember defending love? him. I yeah. remember like because he he would say things sometimes um, that even from the pulpit that mm-hmm. in my heart I was like that's not Christ like. Mm-hmm. But I would excuse it because I would I would say oh well Peter always was put in this. I mean Peter hacked off the guy's ear right, right? you know right. he's a Peter yeah and you you make but but we have to Peter was not that guy when he was after the resurrection right. after the Pentecost right. Peter wasn't the guy that hacked off the guy's ear anymore right you know and so we sometimes you know don't make those connections and it's not that God holds elders to a standard of perfection right but there's a general character qualification mm-hmm. and i mean there are, well i'm how about i read some of these because there are some very interesting qualifications for biblical leaders i don't think people often considered yeah very well so this yeah. is titus 1 5 through 9 and titus says uh this is why i left you in crete so that you might Put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So these are going to be like what we would call pastors. These are the people that are going to be leading the church. If anyone is above reproach, 
the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, Mm -hmm. but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So he's to uphold orthodoxy Mm -hmm. and teach biblical doctrine correctly and marry that with a pretty, I mean, it's not like that high of a level of character, Mm -hmm. you know, that his home's in order, that he's not verbally abusing people or flying Mm -hmm. into rages. He's not given to, you know, being a drunk or or Mm -hmm. any of that stuff. I mean, it's, it's not even that high of a standard, you know. Right. It's not like he has to, you know, fast five times a week. Or, right, you know. right. First um, Timothy 3, 1 through 7, this is Paul. Uh, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Overseers must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Sober-minded, sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert. Or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be thought well of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Mm -hmm. And then this last one is uh, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. And this is an exhortation to the elders. Uh, I exhort the elders among you. Uh, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. When when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And and I love I love that we have this, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. And so often we we see this Moses model mm-hmm. of leadership, where it's uh, it's one person who kind of calls the shots. And as long as that you know, it, it might be working okay in yeah. a church where the person is really submitted to the Lord and is humble and has all these things. But um, as we know, power corrupts people. Right. And so there's a reason that the Bible calls for a plurality of elders. This is mm-hmm. not supposed to just be one guy calling the shots and everybody right. submitting to this one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, it, it's sad that in so many churches we don't follow these guidelines, but right. but it does happen. And then it can lead to these red flags, right? Mm-hmm. And so you kind of touched on the first one that I, I definitely wanted to touch on, and that is that it can create uh, a cultic kind of environment. You mentioned people kind of disappearing and kind of falling off the face Mm -hmm. of the planet and nobody really, you kind of just know that -hmm. you're not supposed to go talk to them. Yeah. And I'll give a perfect example because a few months before we left, uh, one of a really, really high profile person in the church that I worked closely with Mm -hmm. disappeared, just disappeared, (laughs) was gone, Yeah, just gone. Right. And... I knew that I was not supposed to follow up on that. Now, mm-hmm. nobody said that to me. Nobody said, right. don't go talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember it really bugged me. For, now, it's not like we weren't like super close friends, but we worked together right. every Sunday right. closely. And I remember 
um, just wanting to reach out to her and just say, hey, how, you know, just checking on you. How mm-hmm. are you doing? And I picked up my phone to text her. And the thought went into my head, what if they find out I texted her? Yes. I know. And the second that thought formulated, I thought, oh, my. It, it, like, it, it was like a light bulb went on. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is really unhealthy. And I texted her right away. Good. Yeah. And I just said, yeah. just checking on you. I want yeah. you to know I love you and I miss you. And she just wrote back a really sweet thank you. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up, you know, having lunch and just, you know, talking a bit more. But uh, that was a huge aha moment for me mm-hmm. when I picked up my phone and that thought <laughs> came in. So that yeah. might be a red flag that for is people a to red look flag. for. Yeah. And I wanted to say something real quick just about the biblical qualifications of leaders um, that I, that I, you know, also includes all the other qualifications for being a follower of Christ. Like, right. It's not like that's all. Right. You know, it's also behave the way. Jesus behaved in all things, but there's an added level of exhortation for leaders. And the reason why is because for many people, I mean, for all of us, really, there we look to our, um, you know, we are all meant to be God glorifiers. Mm-hmm. Like we are, that's the primary purpose of our mm-hmm. lives. As and But when we look at our spiritual leaders, we can't help but associate them even more closely with God himself. Yeah. Or with Jesus himself. Yeah. And Jesus is putting out some guidelines to say, hey, you're you're representing me mm-hmm. in the hearts and to the lives of really vulnerable people. The, I love that the standard there, it's not about, so we, I guess when we look at that and we're reading those scriptures and we're looking at our leaders, it's not because we're wanting to like give it to them or they've got yeah. some heart. It's, it's to protect them so that they don't end up as a leader mm-hmm. inadvertently wounding Jesus is sheep and burning out and yeah and or burning out or not having accountability. I mean, this is so beautiful. A lot of the the horrible thing about spiritual abuse is you know is that it oftentimes because there are so many vulnerable baby Christians in Mm -hmm. churches that just aren't prepared or ready for for the blow. Mm -hmm. um, They it absolutely can distort their whole view of Jesus and God and the Bible. We've seen people deconstruct oh yeah many people out of this church yeah out of our church specifically, our church yes and then the broader church yes you know because um it is very difficult for people to separate mm-hmm. what is being done in jesus's name that's from right. who he actually is that's right and that's why these guidelines are so important for us it's not that we want to stick it to the man or make our leaders put them under a microscope it's because we we want to be a part of the body of christ and we are called to to understand the qualifications of our of our leaders and to be knowledgeable about that where we go um but and i don't know why we've swept those under the rug why yeah. do we sweep those under the rug when they're so oh, so important um, for guarding our leaders, mm-hmm. it is not loving to let a leader get away with his sin. Mm-hmm. It is not loving. I am mm-hmm. watching. You can watch, because what what it, and I want to get to the no, red flags. But you know what I've what I've seen is that okay, what makes a leader become abusive? What leads to this cycle? Mm-hmm. It, it always starts with a measure of self deception and a small compromise. Mm. Um, you know, like even you know thinking about the small integrity issues where as elders as as friends of our leaders when we see them doing little white lies or whatever they've somehow justified that 
you know, it started with the self-deception that I'm so tired, I deserve this, or mm. I, I'm doing so many other good things, this one thing, whatever is going on psychologically, mm -hmm. the self-deception comes first, mm -hmm. which leads to the deceiving of others, which then leads to the continual, you know, compromising and the growth where before the slow turn of switching of calling evil, you know, what mm. is evil is now good. Mm. You, you become, and I've seen it, mm -hmm. where you'll see people defending mm. and they believe they're defending righteousness, but they're defending something that is so yeah. utterly not righteous. Mm -hmm. And the only way we can know whether what we're de defending is actually righteousness is to test it according to Jesus, his nature, and what he taught, biblically, mm -hmm. interpreted soundly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, I think the red flags, absolutely. Um, because that is that is a, a major red flag. If Because a lot of these abusive cultures have a heavy-handed spoken and unspoken culture of loyalty mm -hmm. and you'll find that you do have a fear that big brother is watching mm -hmm. how in the world would anyone know if you text you know it'd be yeah. like but you have a fear that yeah. if i text the wrong people if i'm associated yeah. with so and so i'm going to be on the outs yeah you know i can't dare touch the unclean yeah um, you know then i'm like or whatever but or i think also like one of the thoughts that went through my or why i wrestled for so long before texting her was you don't want to be a gossip right that's the thing the you know I, I was gossip. sitting in the room i wanted to ask people in the room like she's not here anymore does right. anybody notice yeah but you don't but then i th i would always hold myself back mm -hmm. because well, you don't want it to turn into a gossip session. So I right. think for Christians, it can be kind of confusing because yeah. you have all these things that you're wrestling with in the mm -hmm. back of your mind, and it can, it's just, it can be confusing. And the sad part about all of that, it is confusing. You want to avoid gossip. You don't want to bring division. You, you know, there are genuinely biblical principles that have been twisted and distorted in a way that insulates abusers and isolates the broken. And I've been, a bit, I have experienced that. Mm -hmm. I have seen it firsthand. And my journey has always been one of kind of this parallel thing of what I'm walking through and what I realize I was a part of, what I walked through, what I was a part of, and trying to do that well before the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, one of the hardest things, I've shared this with you, it's like I look back on all that I've walked through, even to this day, the hardest part of my healing hasn't been forgiving the people that broke me. Mm -hmm. The hardest part is what do I do with it now? Mm. How do I honor you and what I've seen and what I what I know and how do I be an advocate for the church and the broken? Yeah. How how do I do that well? I'm not perfect. I blow it. I know um <laughs> you know no one's motives will ever be 100% pure this side of heaven. We, we you know I can't honestly say I've never just been mad. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have been mad. Yeah. You know, 23 years of investment of my life was just whimsically gone because one person was offended by me yeah one person was offended by me when i in fact was actually trying to love this person yeah. in a way that is biblical yeah and then no one you know and then to be left along the sidelines so i guess um you know that was kind of a rabbit trail but no it's good you know that heavy-handed environment that culture of loyalty to the system and that tendency to self-protect, there are a lot of factors mm -hmm. that are going into this mess mm -hmm. of why we are choosing subconsciously 
consciously sometimes to disregard the clear instruction of mm -hmm. God's word mm -hmm. about church leadership, about how we are to, to be a defender of the broken, how we are to approach the broken. Mm -hmm. And we're just kind of applauding ourselves for the good things that are happening, which, yes, good thing. We are, you know, none of us is purely wrong or purely right yeah. or evil or good. You know, we're... Yeah. Even the most hideous people in history probably sent flowers to their wives. Right. You know, there are, you know, even, yeah. I'm sure Hitler had his days. Not that I'm <laughs> likening all spiritual right. leaders to Hitler, but, like, surely there was someone who felt really loved by him. Yeah. Uh, there, it's a confusion not only yeah. because of the disparity between what's being said and done. It's confusing because everybody's individual experience with these people is different. Mm -hmm. If you're famous or wealthy or you're, you're contributing to mm -hmm. the ecosystem and you're doing your you're role. You're going to be treated really well. You get treated well. You're yeah. not going to experience the abuse of power. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're guilty of, I think, a lot of times is, well, I didn't ever experience that. So you must be wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how, how prideful yeah. of us to to think that our own experience of anything is the only mm -hmm. possible out you know yeah. scenario here. That's I want to help people with more red flags because the one that was really big for me was the bully pulpit. Mm -hmm. And so what that looked like from my perspective was uh, well right after I left and when people were leaving, the social media messaging began to really turn toward Bible verses about gossip and talebearers yeah, and right. contentious people mm -hmm. and right. divisive people. I mean, Jezebel spirit. Well, and that's Don't the thing the too. Jezebel well, that's spirit. what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. That's what I was going to say. Okay. So saving that one. Oh, I'm because, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I beat you to the punch. If you are a woman, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say, look, you all know I'm not a feminist. I've talked about this. But I will tell you, if you're a woman and you try to call out any kind of divisive thing or, or false teaching, mm -hmm. particularly in a particular stream of Christianity, right. um, there's a really good chance that you're going to be labeled with a Jezebel spirit. Mm -hmm. And so now, so in our case, this, these were the two bully pulpit sermons that, that I uh, recognized. Um, and this is, again, it's confusing because nobody, they never name names. Right. But two weeks after I left, there was a sermon in which it was said, you know, I want to talk to the apologetics crowd. Mm -hmm. The apologetics crowd are heresy hunters. They're mm -hmm. discernment or d doctrinal purists yeah. who are just waiting for you to mess up and say the wrong thing so they can point their finger at you. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the pastor used the pulpit mm -hmm. to basically kind of disparage apologetics. Yeah. Well, it could be a coincidence that I left two weeks and our whole apologetics ministry kind of fell apart because we all right. were, yeah. you know. Two members of our team left. Yeah, and, yeah. and a third, not much after that. Right. Um, and, then, and then there was the Jezebel sermon, the Jezebel spirit sermon. Mm -hmm. I think that was shortly after you left. Was that right? Or somewhere in there? Yeah, I, it's, it's hard to remember the exact timing, but it was, you know, the 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 setting of the narrative mm -hmm. from the person in power gets to set the narrative. That's right. They've got the pulpit. They've got the right. microphone. They've got the pulpit. And it's interesting because for a few years before that, maybe the two or three years before that, I would notice things in sermons where I, it, would, it would be so specific that I would be like, is that about a person? Mm -hmm. that?" And I realize now it was probably just the person who ticked him off that week. It was. You know. I've heard that many times over the last several years. So, you know, you know, I have heard a lot more stories after leaving because I 
I made the decision, having been the person on the side of the road bleeding out. I mean, apart from you and a small group of people outside of that system who have been there to love me all along the way, mm-hmm. all through my whole stages, which I can't thank you enough. Um, you know, apart from that being um, just kind of alone, and I totally lost my train of thought of what I was just going to say. What did you say? Well, when we were talking about the Jezebel spirit sermon. and the- Oh, yeah. So the other people that have come to me have all had their moment when they were the one that was the, the object, a yeah. lesson. Yeah. You, know, you know when you're sitting there, he's talking about me. And there, I had moments like that where even, you know, I would sit there and I'd go, he's talking about me. Yeah. And it would be so disheartening for me. Um, what's interesting is part of the bully pulpit, too, is the the Sunday after my meeting with him, the one meeting where he told me I was an offense, personal offense, and all of you have been talking about me and all of that. The, the Sunday after that, he taught on the golden rule. Yeah, I remember that. About how to be kind mm-hmm. and, and taught about, you know, defending victims of abuse. And, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there listening going, what? Yeah. What in the world? You just yeah. beat the tar out of me. Like, yeah. you know, why yeah. aren't you applying that to your own life? Right. So the bully pulpit can be aggressive in tone, mm-hmm. but it can also just be this that tendency to get in there and begin setting the narrative you can begin to notice a pattern. Mm-hmm. It seems to happen. It's a perfect image repair technique. Yes. It's not about true biblical truth or true repentance. It's all image repair. Yes. I'm going to get there first. Uh-huh. I'm going to make, I'm, you know, it's like yeah. I think about two kids that have been yeah. in a fight, you know, that you always want to get to mom first. Mm-hmm. So you can tell her your version of it so mm-hmm. that when the second kid comes, the narrative's already tainted. And if you happen to be the more powerful kid, the the the, the you know, yeah, then you have a more you have more power because yeah. we can have, you know, in the church there's all kinds of power. There's there's positional power, financial power, there's intellectual power, emotional power, and from from the pulpit, um, you have the position to control behavior. You have the position to control ideas and to let you know. Um, with emotions, with thought, you can tr- control what people think. Mm-hmm. Masterful, yeah. re- re- you know, rhetorical skills can, yeah, you can, you know, even yeah. as a musician, sure, you can bring people to tears. Sure, it is yeah. a m- behind a pulpit. You are in a bass or a microphone, yeah, or a platform. You have power. Well, and I'll even note note this as well that as you talked about the little compromises, how they can grow into bigger ones, right? Um, Sometimes that can go on a trajectory from real vague and general to real specific. And I'll just, you know, one of the most specific bully sort of things I saw from behind the microphone from the pastor was, um, and I'm, I'm bringing this up not to bash, but to say, like, this is kind of proof that this really is going on. This isn't just in our heads. Right. Um, there was somebody who had left who has, I, I don't want to protect this person, so I'm going to give as little detail as possible. Mm-hmm. But this person has uh, two children that have particular struggles. Mm-hmm. And this pastor said something about his enemies on the microphone and then said something like their children and then went into great detail exploiting Mm-hmm. The very deep, you know, and um, tender struggles these two kids have. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the meanest yeah, and honestly most one of the most satanic things I've ever seen from a pastor. Because right. this is a person who already was abused horribly mm-hmm. yeah, and left for dead on the side of the road. And then he exploits 
the problems, the pain, uh, the pain that they have as a family. I yeah. mean, it was why. And what's the motive of that? Self protection. Self protection. My reputation. Image repair. Get ahead of the image story. Image repair. Yeah. Uh, so. And that's not Jesus. No. It looks nothing like Jesus. No. I, I feel like you know sometimes I want to just say we might need to all just turn off every voice. And go back and revisit Acts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, read the Gospels. Yeah. Immerse yourself in the Gospels. And look at, you know, when you do that, you're reminded again of of Jesus, his heart. He was not interested in image repair. Of I mean, course if there's not. one thing that's really clear in the Gospels, he And wasn't. he's the perfect example of power in and of itself is not evil or good. Mm-hmm. It can be used one way or the other. And mm-hmm. Jesus gives us the model mm. for using the most power of all power, the yeah. power of power, you know, yeah. for the for good, yeah. self-sacrificing himself, laying down his reputation, mm-hmm. um, running to the least and the lost and the broken. You know, you think about his three primary audience members. You know, you had the disciples, the crowds, and the religious leaders mm-hmm. were pretty much always around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the disciples, he was always instructing, you know, and in, in by way of that, he's inviting the crowds, always inviting them. At first, they're curious. Eventually, they call for his crucifixion. But the religious leaders, I just love seeing, well, I don't love seeing this, but it's, I, I, it's something to see that he's constantly calling them out mm. for... Faulty interpretation and abusive application. Mm. Like uh, Jesus is never in conflict with Scripture or the Old Testament or the law. He's in conflict with the religious yeah. leaders' abuse yeah. of it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I think what are we called to do as his disciples? And this is what kind of wraps around to my general prayer every day is we all have the same audience. We have you know, we're discipling or we are being discipled. We're trying to be disciples of Christ. We've got crowds around us who are watching. They're curious. How are we inviting? But the religious leaders, you know, I'm not not saying that we don't, we need to love our religious leaders, but there's also that role that Jesus did model Mm -hmm. of calling out false doctrine and abuse of doctrine. Mm. And we we can't know whether it's false or abusive unless we ourselves are students of the word. We can't, you know, if we don't have that ability to, to determine what is sound, which is why that's one of the biblical qualifications of leaders, like telling them that they need to be able to teach isn't about your rhetorical skills. Yeah, it's not about yeah. being a, a oh dynamic Oh my gosh, what great image lesson. You know, that was a real great object lesson. You know, yeah. I mean, I would rather personally at this point, I would rather sit on a metal chair in a fluorescent lit room with no... Nothing. Just just exposit the scripture for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't even need you to give an object lesson. Yeah. I, I'll you don't take, even have to start I'll, with I'll a cute story. I'll apply it to my own life. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't even need a joke. Yeah. I just, you know, what have you dug in? What have you excavated out of, you know, as a leader, as a studier? I, that's mm-hmm. great for me. Yeah. What I determine a good sermon now is so different. Same, yeah. I'm not basing it on how many goosebumps I had. Yeah. Or what I got out of that. Mm-hmm. It's... You know, or how unique it was, or what a great twist that was. Mm-hmm. I just want it to be truth, yeah. biblical truth. Yeah, and and that is something I encourage people to be aware of because all the other stuff, the the emotional pieces and all that, they're beautiful and God uses them. But if we're reliant upon the icing mm-hmm. as the the foundation, mm-hmm. then we don't have, you know, we're 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 
basically seeking after experiences yeah. instead of truth. And that can really cultivate an environment where abuse, it's ripe for abuse there. Right. So what are some other red flags? We talked about sort of the, the culture of that, that can take on a cultic kind of uh, environment where people leave. You're not supposed to talk to people. And again, it's not like it's spoken. It's not like right. an official shunning. Right. But in a sense, you kind of just know you don't really... You don't really talk to people who have left, and we don't want to do that. And then there's the bully pulpit. What are what are some other red flags that people can be looking for? Right. Well, I would say that some of the red flags are just the way you feel. Like you, you mentioned, you know, just that feeling of guilt or mm-hmm. fear. Now, how does somebody discern between maybe just, I feel, you know, I'm just, I have a weird feeling because maybe I have brokenness in me and that's not reality. How do we test that feeling against reality to know there's justification to say, because I knew, like when mm-hmm. when I knew I wasn't supposed to text her, um, I knew that wasn't just like, oh, I have a feeling. It was mm-hmm. like, no, I really actually think they would be upset if they knew. Right. And so, how do we do, how do we go? You know, take that feeling and measure that against reality. Well, I would say that you might. A lot of times, people that are um, being or in the midst of an abusive or toxic situation won't maybe even have the maturity to do that yet. Mm. So just acknowledging that you're feeling a lot of fear, mm-hmm. acknowledging mm-hmm. that you are you are conflicted a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you you suddenly you loved going to church, but you have no passion for it anymore. What's meant to be a life giving environment for you now now you just dread it. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are some things that you may not be able to even. Um, articulate why or the reasons they may end up resulting in some something in you that mm-hmm. you need you know, still need sanctification or healing. Or maybe or, you've got some like unrepentant sin in yes. your life and that's why you don't want to go to church. So, you know, maybe investigate those things. Right. So I wouldn't say that you would take that one red flag mm-hmm. and leave or come to a, even a conclusion yet. But when you add all these things together, you can begin to think this isn't this isn't what this environment should be, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are obviously extremely, there's like a big spectrum of mm-hmm. what these, of what s- constitutes spiritual abuse and what the experience of that can look like, because it can be, I don't know if you've seen the new documentary on the way called The Way Down on the whole Remnant Church. No, I don't oh, know. I want to see the, that. No, with but the I, Gwen yeah. Chamblin. Yeah. Um, that was like an example. I was watching that going, okay, that's an example of what can be very extreme because mm. doctrine and behaviors are so um, used to, I mean, like people were disciplining their children by, you know, locking them in boxes and things. Mm. So it can be that or it can be, you know, so there's a spectrum. So there's going to be a spectrum of ability to um, go inside and, and open your own heart to the Lord. Because some people are in such a broken space that they don't even... We need to understand that the remedy for some... Mm-hmm. This is what makes me want to cry. The remedy is Jesus. Yeah. And it's going to involve healing and repentance. The the remedy is him and what he calls us to. But in some spiritually abusive situations, the the, the remedy the, there's been a counterfeit Jesus mm-hmm. that's been used to actually inflict mm-hmm. all the wounds. Mm-hmm. So it takes time to get people to come to the real you're not going to be able to just grab them and say, hey, let's go to Jesus and let's yeah. reflect on what's going yeah. on in your heart, you know, because Jesus is the one they're afraid of. Mm. And that's why it's so, you know, yeah. I get this, the righteous anger I feel, 
most of the time is not because of what was done to me personally. It's because of the fact that the one I love the most has had his name drugged through the rug, mm. you know, through the mud. And that what broken people need the most sometimes it's going to take them a long time to trust okay. enough to get there. But that was kind of a tangent, too. But, yeah, the, I'm trying to think of other well, so And flags. also we mentioned biblical leadership, but that's a red yeah. flag. Yes. If, if, it's, if it's a cult of personality, if you have, right. um, you know, if you if if nobody shows up on the morning that the big guy's not preaching and it's right. somebody else, you know, that's, that's yep. I'm not saying that means it's an abusive situation, mm-hmm. but that's a red flag for unhealth. Yeah. And, and uh, I, so you, that and then... You're afraid to... Yeah, and I, it kind of goes along with you're afraid to text, but even on social media, mm. you are constantly tipping your hat, you know, mm-hmm. to make sure you you appear as one of the loyal. or Yeah, make sure your like is seen. Yeah, your and, like, and, you know, you would never want to be seen commenting on so-and-so's page or mm-hmm. um, the shunning, the disappearing of people. Honestly, I think we all feel the red flag. Maybe not all of us, but there are so many things that happen that we're like, mm. you feel that little... Mm-hmm. That didn't seem Christ-like, or that's weird. That's off. Mm-hmm. Um, most people, when they look back, can say, I had a lot of red mm-hmm. flags. But I constantly just one at a time justified them mm-hmm. by, for many reasons. One of them is, well, there's so many good things being done here. So, But you know what? When does Jesus ever say that we test things by how the good outweighs yeah, the bad? Because you could have a completely <laughs> secular organization that Doing does great things. work with homeless and, and relief work and stuff. Right. Um, Unity is another big word mm. that everyone throws around and uses. And, you know, we're not ever called to unify for unity's sake. That's right. We're called to un- unify with biblical Unify around the Truth. real gospel. The, yeah. Around Jesus and the real gospel and the real good news. Yeah. And we can't know what that is unless we are students of it. And it requires a lot of, hey, that's not this, so right. that has to go out. Right. And, you know, this teaching is not what mm-hmm. we're supposed to unify. That needs to go. Right. And and so, uh, yeah, I think unity is a hugely misunderstood thing. And it's often wielded as a weapon sometimes, too. Right. You know, oh, if you bring up, uh, you know, a concern, you're being divisive, you're yeah. you're disrupting the unity. And that can be um, a tactic that's used in, in abusive situations And it's as really well. shaming to people that are walking through because mm-hmm. you know, I love what you and I have gone back and forth because I'm able to say, yeah, but this is what it feels like from this side. And you're, I yeah. love what you've, you always help me, too. And but and you helped keep me engaged like you know you helped keep me engaged with what what's actually happening just in in different well, I'm situations glad I was able to help at some point <laughs> I don't know I'm just like bumbling along and I just feel no. so thankful but um it's amazing now that I've walked through this and I still am and I'm not haven't haven't arrived I'm always learning but what I've learned from experience of what continue, how, you know, and that word victim, you know, people actually are victims, but then they're survivors. You mm-hmm. know, they, they overcome, but in the yeah. moment, but there are things that we do as the body of Christ that continue to re-victimize the mm. most broken. Mm. It is so tragic to me that of the people that rush most quickly to the broken in the church, you know, are the churches thrown out sheep, you know, the bloody sheep by the side of the road. We're so worried about protecting our own image and, oh, my gosh, and, you know, or we've been indoctrinated to think it's more spiritual to ignore them. Mm. It's more spiritual to mind my own business mm. and ignore this broken person over here. Mm. Or we're, we're holding the broken to a standard that we don't hold the leader to. Oh. I, this is something I was guilty of. Like, I would look and see, oh, 
I remember this, and I've, I've asked God to forgive me, and I've asked people to forgive me, but I remember some of the people that were gone mysteriously mm-hmm. before me. You know, I'd maybe see posts of them getting together for Christmas or whatever, and I'd just have this thought, oh, it's the embittered few getting together to lick their wounds together. Mm-hmm. And now I know, oh, no, that's not what it is. Yeah, That's not what it is at all. That's a bunch of... <laughs> Sorry. It's just a bunch of bloody sheep who found each other. And no one else is coming. No one else is coming. So they're, they're doing the best they can as broken people to help one another. Yeah. And then they get love from people who <laughs> aren't even in the church. Mm-hmm. And that's the confusion of the culture of it. Or they can get swept up into something like a progressive type of Christianity right. that's, right. you know, feels very... Um, feels very safe mm-hmm. because they're not going to hold you to any standard right. and that feels good and I can understand that like if you've just been beat up and you got somebody saying it's okay just rest here for a minute why right. would you not do that right and somebody that just sits with you and wants to have anything to do with you when the church oftentimes I've even had people tell me that you know I you know they were more disappointed you know the couple times I've dared to reach out to initiate a conversation like, hey, mm-hmm. um, I've had people actually say to me that they were more disappointed with the way I was talking about spiritual abuse online. They were so disappointed with the way I'm talking about it because mm-hmm. I've made the decision to be to share. Mm-hmm. My heart in that is because when I see something that I'm bumping into or that's broken or whatever, I just like the turn on lights, which is I'm just trying to help people. And some people don't like it and some people it helps, but mm-hmm. people are more upset about the fact that I'm saying something than they are with the fact that it happened to me mm. or that what, how's your heart. And mm-hmm. that's what I hope we, we can get better at is learning mm. to always approach this with compassion and curiosity, with the ability to triage, because mm-hmm. you know what? There are going to be some people that are saying they're abused when you when you dig in and get more information about that, you might find that they just didn't have all the facts or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and I look at people that like might pound out a comment about you on social media who've never met you in their life. Mm-hmm. They'll never know you personally. Mm-hmm. Those kind of comments, we all need to know. You know what? Yeah. It's really more the people that have access to both your words and behavior. Mm-hmm. We need to give voice to them yeah. in our lives. Like yeah. you said, I want to ask my husband, is this true? Mm-hmm. Please let me know when I have a blind spot. But um, anyway, I just, my heart, you know, you you realize a lot as you walk through that, golly, man, we just want to be more like Jesus. He he didn't ever shun broken people. And, you know, I hope that we can learn to, and I'm getting better, just take a claim of abuse and be willing to just say I need to triage Mm -hmm. instead of I don't agree or I do. Don't like... I don't ever want to hear anybody's abuse story. Everybody, they're just all, they're just a bunch of bitter people. Um, No, they might not be. Mm -hmm. We won't know. Mm-hmm. And not every story is ours to delve into. Well, it's that's what I was just going to say. Like, you don't yeah. have to go and follow all the uh, the people with abuse stories on Twitter. No, But no. if there's somebody in your life yeah. that, it, you know, you're connected to in some meaningful way. Right. Um, you're allowed to hear their story. 
Right. You know, it's not yes. divisive or... How horrible um, to say that going and listening to a broken person yeah, is gossip. Right. And also the whole thing that, that's crazy to me is, well, it didn't happen to me, so... Mm-hmm. All right, well, then we would never advocate for anybody. Right. You know what? I've never been sold into sex slavery. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what does that mean? I don't need right. to get involved ever? Right. <laughs> I don't... And this yeah. doesn't even logically compute as a Christian. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, in a moment here, we're going to be going to the Patreon-only segment of our broadcast where we have a sweet little community of people on Facebook uh, and our Patreon group where you get to ask the questions for our our sort of after-interview hangout time. Um, This has been kind of a heavy topic, so I won't call it an after-party like I sometimes (laughs) do. But, but, you know, just if you have further questions, you can ask those. You can go to patreon.com slash Alisa Childers. Take a look at the different tiers. There's different benefits for each tier. But on one of the tiers, we uh, get a little extra episode of, of hangout time with our guests. So we're going to do that in a moment. But as we uh, close out this segment of our discussion today, TC, uh, what, you know, we've talked a long time through your story about practical things that people can take away. What do you want to leave everybody with? Why don't you just share your heart on, uh, on what you would just leave everybody with today? I, I think that, you know, at this point, my, my biggest heart, um, for, Everyone involved, because there's multiple players. There's the the, the leaders. There's the, the the people that have been abused, are being abused. There's people that are just wa- watching, trying to learn. And, you know, that would be that our ultimate desire would be to to really know Jesus and reflect him mm-hmm. in, in, in how we live and, and what we do. And to understand, I guess— Seeking understanding is just so important for all situations to 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 be willing to listen, to be willing to lean in. And I guess my biggest heart, too, you know, I can fumble around with all this because I have so much. It's just so deeply personal for me. But as someone who has survived multiple types of abuse, Jesus is the only answer for me. And the gospel isn't always easy. No, it doesn't always feel good. Mm-hmm. And so I don't define abuse by what feels good. You know, mm-hmm. abuse is as a misuse of something. But the gospel is the only hope. And Jesus has loved me and cleansed me and given meaning to my pain and value to my life. And um, his word, his heart, his life and flourishing. So I would hope that, you know, for religious leaders who have blown it, for people who have been victimized, that we would all continue to try to find the real and not not settle for the counterfeit, not judge Christianity by its abuses, mm. not judge people by their worst days either. Mm. But golly, wouldn't it be so great? Like my biggest prayer would be to see God glorified mm. in true reconciliation in any any of these stories. Yeah. Where and you can forgiveness is me, mm-hmm. one person involved in forgiveness. I can do all I can to forgive, but I can't reconcile without the other person. Yeah. What my heart aches for is the beauty of how much it glorifies him when two parties are willing to admit their brokenness before the Lord and own their own part. And repent. And repent. That means I confess my sin and I turn from it. It's not perfect. It doesn't always look beautiful, but... If we're all just, if we would lay aside our desire to protect our own reputation mm-hmm. and worry more about his, what a beautiful thing could happen. What a witness to the world. 
What are, you know, the, they will know us by our love, not by our false unity or our fake love. Love that does this mm. would be huge. And that's, I guess, my goal in prayer. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank my guest, T.C. Cannon, for this really frank and open and vulnerable discussion today on spiritual abuse. Uh, if you are experiencing spiritual abuse or you are maybe seeing some of these red flags at your church, I encourage you to follow TC on social media, just at TC Cannon, yes, at, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and there's also some resources she can offer to you on those platforms, too. She recommends a lot of great books and a lot of uh, people that can help with some of this stuff. So anyway, thank you so much for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribing and liking, leaving comments, all that helps with algorithms. If you're listening on audio platforms like iTunes and Spotify, leaving five-star reviews and sharing this with your friends, if you see this posted on social media, you know, sharing it out, uh, it helps just get the word out to as many people as possible. So thanks so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.